This is Bob Morris in today's Desert Horticulture. Today we'll be discussing how to start a lawn from seed or sod. Topics will include where it should be located, time of year we should start it, soil preparation, the size of it, how much water it uses, grass seed and sod selection, and much, much more on today's Desert Horticulture. I know it may sound a little bit strange and there's a lot of environmental opposition to it, but there's really nothing that can replace a lawn if you need it. And the key to knowing whether you should have a lawn or not is whether it is a lawn for looks only, aesthetics, or whether it's a functional lawn. And the argument could be made, very positive argument, that when we're looking at lawns in the desert, the only lawn that should be established is one that's functional. There is no other surface, landscape surface, that can be walked upon, that can improve the soil over time, that can be easily ripped out and retrofitted with something else if you decide not to have it anymore. There is no other surface that provides a cool touch. Artificial grass doesn't. In fact, it's just the opposite. Artificial grass, I would argue, is best if it's done in the shade, where it doesn't get hot. Living grass, though, grasses in the desert, functional grasses, are best used where they can be cool. When I've measured the temperature with an infrared thermometer, when it's 105 out, the surface temperature of an artificial lawn or rock will be cement, asphalt, will be somewhere around 165 to 170 degrees in the summertime under full sunlight in the mid-morning hours, 105 degree air temperature. Whereas the lawn consistently stays at a temperature of about 95 degrees. That's slightly cool to the touch and that's why it can be that and because it can be soft that's why lawns are liked so much for doing other things. There's no other surface that you could look at that provides the safety for children to play, for dogs to dogs and other animals to lay, lay upon. There's no other surface that provides that walkability where you can walk on. There's no other ground cover that can. Lawns can play an important role in the desert. And when it's used though, just make sure it's a functional lawn. It serves a purpose. And like I said, it can be easily taken out when and if the time comes. Lawns can uh, also be a problem. They can be a problem because they require a certain amount of maintenance. One of the reasons that lawns became unpopular in the, in the desert southwest is because they took so much maintenance. That and it's a fairly high water use but it's a fairly high maintenance as well. So when it's time to fertilize, weed control, uh, mow, irrigate, fixing the irrigation system all takes time. And lawns do require more maintenance and more headaches than other types of surfaces that could be put down, but there's no other surface like it. So with that in case, 
Let's take a look a little bit about the water use of a lawn, and it can vary. In the middle desert, between the high desert and low desert, the water use of lawns can range anywhere from about 84 inches to as much as 96 inches of water per year. When I'm talking about inches of water, I'm talking about look at that lawn area, look at its size, and imagine that that area is covered with 84 to 93, 94 inches of water each year. That's how much it requires. That doesn't count how much is applied. That's another step. But that lawn will require anywhere from about 84 to about 94, 96 inches of water per year. Just for a reference point, a cubic foot of water is about seven and a half gallons. So if you take that 86, 83 inches, 96 inches, and convert that to cubic feet of water, you'll roughly estimate how much water that lawn is going to require in one year of application. Of course, most of that water, 65, 70% of that water, is applied during the summer months, and the rest of it is at other times of the year. So water use can be fairly high on lawns if you're expecting a good-looking lawn. Uh, the other thing that you're going to need to take into consideration when you're thinking about lawn is sunlight. They will not perform, Bermuda grass for instance, some of the warm season grasses. The grasses are basically divided into cool season and warm season grasses that we'll talk about in a little bit. But the fescues that are the most common surface, the tall fescues are the most commonly used surface, a uh, lawn surface in the southern Nevada. If we're looking at uh, that, we can expect not to be growing um, a fescue lawn if the sunlight isn't at least 50% of that area. In other words, if you look at the surface of the area that you plan to have in a lawn, you need to have 50% of those speckles in that surface to be light and not shade. If it's more than that, then you're going to have to look at a different ground cover or it's going to start to thin out. Now that doesn't include some of the warm season grasses like Bermuda, which requires a lot greater amount of sun, sunlight than, um, than the tall fescue does. But tall fescue is moderate, considered to be moderate in its need for sunlight. So sun is going to be an important part of that. It's not a surface that is that will do well in a real bright location, in a real hot location. So south-facing lawns, unless you've got some sort of protection on them, <clears throat> uh, they're not going to do well west-facing lawns. Lawns are going to perform best in the eastern part of a landscape or the northern part of a landscape. And if they are facing south and west, then they'll do better if there's a little bit of shade in the late afternoon. Because tall fescue is a cool season grass, it does really well in the cooler parts of the year, whereas the warm season grasses, like Bermuda grass, is a, does really well during the heat. 
So Bermuda grass, on the other hand, it will do extremely well in an area that has a lot of sunlight and is real hot, but tall fescue won't. So keep that in mind when you're looking at the location for that lawn. When we're also considering the lawn, consider its shape. <clears throat> Remember, if we're going to irrigate this lawn with overhead sprinklers, which is the usual method for irrigating a lawn, pop-up sprinklers, then the straighter the lines of the lawn, the better off you're going to be. The fewer problems you're going to you're going to face about dry spots and having to overwater certain areas because the areas that are not being watered evenly are <clears throat> are too dry. So straight lines are going to be much more effective for overhead sprinklers in designing a lawn than having it curved or if you do use curves use big curves. Don't use small curves and stay away from uh, from a, a, a double recurve, a recurve where it curves back upon itself. I remember years ago, we used to, we went berserk for a while during the 80s, 70s and 80s, uh, 80s mostly, when they started using some things like uh, these machines that would, you could pour in cement and it could form a curb for you around the lawn and people would go nuts because they could make all these different designs with it and that looks great on paper but it doesn't irrigate very well when you do that so look for squares or rectangular size lawns and the minimum size I would look at again if you're using overhead irrigation is probably going to be about 10 feet so you can use anything above 10 and anything uh, but nothing below about 10 feet in diameter. Subsurface drip irrigation, SDI, uh, for lawns, it's, um, it's a whole different topic, and I probably should say something about that and how to do it properly, but uh, it really does require a lot of uh, care at the beginning and construction phase than... Uh, than traditional lawns. So unless you're willing to go to that expense, unless you're getting to willing to get a designer, an irrigation designer who can provide that, and unless you can find a company who's familiar with installing SDI, subsurface drip irrigation for lawns, I wouldn't do it. Most, most of it's going to be pop-ups, uh, overhead sprinklers that pop up out of the ground. So remember that uh, water use Remember the sunlight? Uh, when we're talking about the shape, remember shapes, straight lines are much better than curves lines or lines that curve back upon themselves. Now let's talk a little bit about the construction of that lawn. When we're designing that lawn, I would amend that soil. I think it would be a big mistake to use the existing soil that's on your property uh, for the base of that lawn, for the soil under that lawn, unless it's modified in some way, unless it's uh, amended in some way. And if you're going to amend that soil, then I would put a layer of about two inches of good quality compost on the surface and till it in as deep as you can. Roll it then. And I think what you're really going to need, if you're going to 
apply, if you're going to make any kind of a sizable lawn at all, uh, you're going to need a landscape rake. This is one of those big aluminum rakes. And I would get some sort of a water roller or some way to roll the, the soil. You're going you're gonna to need it when you seed and you're going to need it during the construction of that uh, lawn. So anyway, so what you're going to do is, is incorporate that. Amend it, rototill that compost in the upper 8 inches of the soil, as deep as you can. And if you have a soil that is rock hard to begin with, water it first and then I would uh, put the compost after it slightly dries out after a couple of days. Uh, go ahead and apply the two inches of compost to the surface and then rototill it in. In some cases, I've had to use a, um, a trencher in order to break up the soil enough. In our desert soils, break up our desert soils enough to be able to get compost into the upper surface of that soil. Even after an irrigation, I've had to do that. But if you're looking at trying to break up a soil that's never been irrigated, a desert soil, a new soil, it's going to be very, very tough to do. I would irrigate it first, water it, flood it, do whatever you can, get the water down as deep as you can, uh, sprinkle it with some sprinklers on, a, on hoses for a few times, soften up that soil, and then put the compost up and, and then mix it into that soil with a rototiller or whatever you would. We sometimes use the disc on a tractor for large areas, but I'm assuming this is going to be a small area for a yard, so a rototiller or anything to get that compost, that two inches of compost mixed as deeply in the soil as possible. One nice thing about grasses is they don't require as much soil amendment uh, as some other plants do, like annual flowers and vegetables and things like that. But they still, in our climate, in our soils, they still require something. So get that compost down. At the time you're putting the compost, also at this point, this is a good time to buy some phosphorus fertilizer. This could be triple superphosphate, it could be any like a zero, zero, or zero forty-five zero or it could be any kind of a phosphorus material. It could be a 1620. Be careful of that 16. 16 is the 16% nitrogen. If you're going to use a high quality compost, uh, like that Viragro compost uh, that's in town here, uh, that's already high in nutrients to begin with. So be really careful about adding any more nitrogen to that soil. You could add some, and it's also high in phosphorus. So if you do go ahead and use something like that Viragrow compost uh, in it, it's already high in nitrogen and it's high in phosphorus. It's going to be somewhat moderate in its potassium levels, but it's got a goodly amount of nitrogen and phosphorus. You don't need anything else besides that. But if you're going to use a soil amendment that's not that Viragrow compost, then um, you might, if you can see some sort of a get an idea of how much, if it's got a lot of nutrients or not. If it's, if it looks like it's made from uh, wood, wood waste, then it probably doesn't have much in it at all. If it's just doesn't, and you can go ahead and add a fertilizer to it. For instance, like a 1620-0 would be a good choice. And you would put that down at about uh, six pounds of fertilizer for every thousand square feet of lawn area. And that should get you uh, the, the right amount of fertilizer down on the surface. You'd go ahead, put the compost down, 
put the fertilizer on top of that six pounds per thousand of 16-20-0 and then till it, in, till it all in, roto-till it in, get it as deep as you can. And then it's going to be very important to get that uh, bed area where you're going to either seed or sod as firm as possible. You don't want it hard, but you want it firm. When you are walking across that surface, a finished surface that's ready to seed or sod, your footprints shouldn't sink more than about a half of an inch into the soil. If you've done that, then you've made a nice firm seed bed. Seeds love, and sod, love a firm seed bed. Not a hard one, but a firm seed bed, a firm bed for them to sink their roots into. So go ahead and establish that. A landscape rake will help you to even it out, and then a roller will help you to compress it to the point where it's, uh, it's, it's firm enough for seeding or sodding. The level, uh, if, you're, if you're seeding it, then the level will be the same level as the irrigation system. So prior to, prior to firming up this soil and after you've incorporated all this compost and, and a soil amendment into the soil and fertilizer, you'll go ahead and install the irrigation system. Make sure that the irrigation system is deep enough so that any kind of management decisions you make later on, such as if you have to core aerify or whatever it might be, are deep enough. So four inch pop-ups for tall fescue uh, are, is good enough for, for, for fescue. I wouldn't go three inch and definitely don't use two inch pop-ups in it. And then sink those, uh, sink the PVC pipes, the laterals that connect the, the, uh, irrigations, the irrigation pop-up heads together get it down deep enough, uh, six, eight inches, so that <clears throat> it's not going to interfere with any kind of management that you're going to do on that lawn later on, any kind of management decisions you're going to make. So go ahead and get that irrigation system. Once the irrigation system is in, you're going to go ahead and bring it up to level, and you'll start rolling it. Once you start rolling that soil, you're going to add soil, or you're going to roll it to the point um, <clears throat> when those pop-ups are put in, usually they're going to be installed or what we call triple swing joints. Uh, these are, these are uh, connections, PVC connections to the irrigation pipe that allow you to raise or lower the irrigation heads. Uh, I would not use, uh, I would not use any kind of rigid attachment of that head irrigation head to the PVC pipe that's delivering the water. Instead, you'd want to use something that allows it, those those triple swing joints that allow you to, <clears throat> or f a funny pipe, a uh, flexible pipe that allows you to screw it into the PVC pipe and still allows you to adjust the, uh, the uh, sp sprinklers to the right, to the right uh, height. When you're going to seed, you'll want the, the soil to be at almost the same level, about the same level as the sprinklers are. So you'll roll the soil and then adjust your sprinklers accordingly or add soil if you want to do it backwards. Add soil un until you're, there's enough soil present uh, and the sprinkler heads are all the same height. So you'll go ahead and do that. It might not be a bad idea if, unless unless you've the smaller and you've got a really good eye to drive some stakes into that soil to make sure that the level is correct. You can l use a line level, any kind of a string level 
that will allow you to measure whether those uh, the depth of that soil is correct. Remember, you're done with a roller when you can walk across that soil and your shoes don't sink more than a half an inch into that soil. That's when you're finished. So you should be able to look behind you when you're walking across it and see your footprints across it. If you can't, then it's way too hard. You've got to amend it and do something, soften it up. Okay, so if you're picking some seed for it, uh, the seed that you're going to be looking for, or sod, if you're looking for sod, the vast majority of sod in the Las Vegas Valley, most of southern Nevada, is going to be a fescue sod. It's going to be a mixture of fescue. So it just depends what they're using now. Some of them will use a mixture of fescue with a little bit of bluegrass in with it, or some of them will use a straight fescue uh, blend. And that fescue seed, if you're going, so the sod, you're really not going to have much, uh, you're much choice in that regard, because the sod pretty much is all the same. You can ask what seed is present. It doesn't really make much sense, except when you're picking e either seed or sod, make sure that you have at least three different types of grasses present. Three different types. If it's a fescue sod, three different types of fescue, different varieties of fescue in that blend. When we're talking about a fescue and having fescues, tall fescues all together, we call that a blend. We call that a, a seed blend. When we're talking about different grasses together, such as a fescue, some annual rye perhaps to get it started quick, uh, to, to get it up quickly and give it some cover, call it a nurse grass. Or if you're looking at um, a little bit of bluegrass in it, then these are called seed mixtures. That's the difference between a seed blend is all one type of grass varieties and a mixture is a mixture of different types of different grasses together. Of course, we never mix together Bermuda grass and, and uh, fescue or the cool season. So those, those cool season grasses in the valley, we used to be able to use, we used to use um, a certain amount of perennial rye, and there's some good perennial rye out there, some heat-tolerant perennial rye. You don't find them much anymore. You'd really have to search for which ones they are. But the golf courses used to use uh, used to use heat tolerant perennial uh, rye grasses, and they worked really well. The perennial ryes don't just don't uh, don't throw them out. It's uh, it's um, the heat tolerant perennial ryes are nearly as persistent as the tall fescues during the heat of the summer. They're they're gonna they're gonna withstand a lot of, and they can be mowed shorter, so. The fescues, you're going to have to be mowing them probably at about two and a half, at least two inches tall and taller. Whereas the perennial rise, you can mow them shorter. You can mow them in an inch without any problem at all, even shorter than that if you need to. And that depends on the seeding rate, but another subject altogether. <laughs> so anyway, what you're going to be looking at is your selection of grasses. Just don't get a pasture grass, a pasture tall fescue. If you're going to get the tall fescues, don't get the tall fescues that are pasture grasses, like the Kentucky 31, sometimes also called K31. I call them a highway grass because they look so good at 50 miles an hour. Now, if you're doing a park, 
or something that requires a lot of durability. Now, Kentucky 31 is a great grass, but it's one of those coarse grasses. It's inexpensive. Yeah, cows like to eat it. <laughs> it's a pasture grass, and it just doesn't look good in a home situation. So stay away from that. Generally speaking, you get what you pay for on fescues. Look for a blend, at least three different kinds of varieties mixed together, and you're going to be seeding that at a rate of about 10 or 12 pounds of grass seed for every 1,000 square feet of area that you're going to cover. And that's not true of other grasses, but it is true of fescue, that 10 to 12 pounds of seed. Uh, any closer than that, uh, there's you could end up with some problems. Further apart, they're going to be more coarse and there's more soil left exposed and there could be some weed problems. So stick in that range of 10 to 12 pounds per thousand square feet of area for seeding the area. If you're going to sod it, you'll go ahead and uh, moisten it down. Always stand on the grass and put your grass sod down ahead of you and then walk on it. So that, and, and when you're putting grass down, I forgot to mention the time of year. <laughs> in, in the Las Vegas Valley, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> you're looking at either a fall planting time for fescue, fall or spring. Fall is preferred. And that fall window, the best window, is around the end of September to about the 1st of November. In that general, even the middle of September until the middle of October. That general window is going to be the best window for seeding tall fescue. Now that's not true. going to be true of, of the warm season grasses. Those grasses like Bermuda, St. Augustine, uh, Seashore Paspalum, all of those warm season grasses are best laid down when the temperatures are starting to get hot, like around April, May, and get them laid before the end of June. You'll want to get them in there and seeded before the end of, if you're going to use seed for Bermuda grass or some of the other types, you can, you can use that as well. So look at the seeding rates for doing it. Get a good established base with it and be cognizant of uh, how much water these things use. All right. So if you're doing sod, you're going to go ahead and lay the sod down. You're going to stand on the sod after you lay it down to keep your feet off of it from sinking out. And you're going to spray the soil down, wet, moisten it down a little bit, and then lay the sod down. Then you go ahead and step on it again. When these are laid down, they're laid down, the sod is laid down much like bricks are laid down. They're, they're staggered so that you don't have a joint, uh, a seam that is, runs through the entire lawn. When it's done, you want seams that are staggered. So that one sod piece ends, and right next to it, another sod piece doesn't end. It continues on. Then what I would do is top dress it. After you've laid the lawn, I would lightly top dress it. Uh, with Top dressing just means throwing something on the surface to, feel, to finish those seams to feed to you don't want the seams any spaces between the seams uh, for water loss make sure they butt up against each other tightly but if you have some seams that are open fill them 
get them filled so that you don't have water loss. And then roll it, roll the sod so that there's good soil and also the seeded area. Once you're done laying the seed down, you're going to cover that seed with a real, about an eighth of an inch of top dressing. And that, that compost makes a great top dressing to go ahead and lay over the top of the seed and then roll it. For both sod and seed, establishment requires good soil seed and soil sod contact. You don't want bubbles in there. You want it to be wet and, and good contact after everything is finished. So when you finish the area and you've seeded the area, go ahead and water it down, walking backwards with a hose lightly. Then use your irrigation system after you've watered it down. If you've sodded it, go ahead and use a hose and water everything in after you're done sodding the area so that it's the water penetrates through the sod before you start printing on the sprinkler system. Make sure that whole area is wet prior to using the irrigation system. So when you're irrigating then, <clears throat> you're irrigating, you're running the irrigation system long enough so until you start to see water accumulate in puddles. That's a bit too long. You want it just to be wet. You want the area to be wet. So in sod, when you're sodding, you can run it for a longer period of time. But when you're seeding, you'll probably only run it for two or three minutes at a time until that, that soil becomes moist and wet. Then you can run it for a longer period of time. But probably until that grass starts coming up, you're not going to run it for more than about uh, three or four minutes, two, two to four minutes probably before you're going you're gonna to get it, that whole surface wet. The number of times to irrigate it in the fall, if you're seeding in the fall, in that window I told you about, middle of September to the middle of October-ish time period, you're going to be watering twice a day, once in the morning, once in the afternoon. Sod twice a day until you start to see growth. Once you start to see any growth at all, either the seed comes up or the sod begins to grow, then you'll cut it to once a day, irrigating once a day. And then after that, you'll, you'll reduce it. You'll reduce it after you're sure, after you've mowed it a couple of times, then start going to every couple of days. Start going into a normal irrigation regime, a, near, a, a normal irrigation pattern that's specified by your water delivery company or water delivery agency on it. So go ahead and water uh, with that. And then fertilize normally. If you've been using that uh, Viragro compost that I told you about, you probably won't need to fertilize for about two or three months. All of, Generally, if you do it in the fall, uh, you don't want to have to fertilize at all until, probably not until the following year sometime. You'll look at the grass. You can start to see the color. The color change, it starts to go from a dark green to a lighter green. That's an indicator that it needs a fertilizer application, is that color change. And so installing that irrigation system and getting good irrigation. I didn't even talk about that. But uh, for heaven's sake, uh, do a little, consult with somebody. If you're doing it yourself, consult with somebody to make sure that you have good water coverage. 
and that's really important in the desert, is to make sure that you have good irrigation coverage. And it also helps to reduce the water bill too. So make sure of that. Make sure the lawn is level. Make sure it's square. Make sure you've modified the base. If you've already got a lawn and it's established and you didn't modify it, then go ahead. You didn't amend the soil at the time of planting. Then I would go ahead and uh, irrigate, rent a core aerifier from places like Ahern, and rent that, run it over the surface. It'll bring a bunch of cores to the surface like a, a herd of dogs went through the yard, rake them up, get rid of them, or you can bust them up if you want to and use them again. Put them in your compost pile if you want to. But core aerify it and then top dress that with a good compost if you haven't done it already. Like that Virigro compost I told you about. Top dress it with that and then rake it. Use your rake, garden rake, to get that compost into the holes and then water it in really good. And if you do that a couple of times, you'll start to see a change in the grass and you'll start to see a change in its growth. When you're irrigating, you want to irrigate to, uh, and we'll talk about that in the management part of grass. I, I, can, I, can, I know my time is up. I've spent way too much time here talking about how to establish a lawn. The next one will be how to manage a lawn. So anyway, take care right now. I hear the, 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 the music, so I know it's time to go. So you take care. Bye-bye. Learn more about desert horticulture by signing up for my blog, Extreme Horticulture of the Desert. That's all one word, Extreme Horticulture, and starting with an X. Take some of my classes on Eventbrite if you're in the Las Vegas area. That's Bob Morris on Eventbrite.